Hey, how's everyone doing? Hey, we're back here again with uh, Wanna Be Ballers podcast. Uh, and we are, I think we're on our, yeah, our third segment of the series that we're doing, uh, Too Much Too Soon, exploring the pathway and the journey to pro football. Um, how does that look? Uh, and trying to get people's different perspectives from being a player, being a coach, uh, just different, different, uh, trying to get different uh, perspectives. But man, you know, and this should have happened uh, a long time ago, but we are very, very excited to have uh, Gary Cleveland on with us. Gary, what's up, man? Nothing, brother, over here enjoying a little bit of sunshine in, in Southern California. <laughs> that's good that's good hey and of course we of course we got our man james uh james myers in london james how you doing man yeah i was enjoying the little sun that we're getting this weekend so i'm happy all right good man good wait well let, let's stop all these pleasantries and let's uh let's get on into this thing real quick um so yeah so gary gary for for those who 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 don't know and i think a lot of our listeners would know but don't know uh, is behind the 343 brand also uh, uh, with his brother Brian Cleveland who's who's been doing a lot of the coaching and development of a lot of the U.S. talents that we have seen come up through over the years. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, 343 has been a major shift in, in how um, people look at the game from a youth soccer development angle in the States. And I can say that they personally helped me and helped our organization with their knowledge and their, uh, you know, spreading of their gospel, if, if we could say that. And, you know, we wanted to kind of, you know, start talking about that because, I mean, Gary, when did, when did you guys like start the blog, man? When was that? That was in 2009. So 11 years ago. Oh, no, shit. 12 years ago, brother. Wow. Years. That's time flies. Incredible, huh? Hey man, they, they can't believe it. I can't believe it how how fast it's gone, man. So that's that. Yeah, that you know what? I think I I came up I came up looking at the blog in two thousand ten ish. I think around that time. So my one of my one of my parents that was on my soccer team said, "Hey, you got to listen to the. You got to read this blog. This sounds a lot like what you what you be talking about." And I'm like, "All right." So I came to check it out, and then I was hooked, man. So I was like. You know, and if I'm being honest, I met a lot of people through the soccer community through that blog, man. I, you know, it was a uh, it's it, it, cool. It's like revolutionary, honestly. I mean, I don't know. Hey, James, did we link up through something that I did with Gary? Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say. So I oh, saw, wow. so I saw the, I saw the video um, of them, the boys doing their thing, um, and then I think it must have been you retweeted or something, Kev. And then that's when I'm linked up with you. And that was like 2000 and what. 12, 11, 12. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's, and then that's when I started speaking to you. And that's then, yeah. So basically, everything started from 343. With the block, yeah. Holy cow. That's yeah. so crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, yeah. I mean, I always, that's, that is crazy. You know what I mean? You know, being how, how much James has been a part of Joga and helping us build. I mean, you know, just think you just creating that platform has put a lot of different people together. Uh, so, I mean, I could say that's been great for the development of, you may never have seen or met many of our players, but you have affected them, you, you know, so that's, uh, it's crazy. You know? That is crazy, Kev. I 
and and it's awesome to hear because it gives it gives us energy you know when you share something like that uh to keep going and keep pushing because you know how it is kef you're building mm-hmm. and as a builder you go through highs and lows you know and in your lows when you're i don't want to say i don't know if depressed is the right word but you know you start feeling like uh, like this is the end of the road like Mm. What are, you know? What am I doing? Mm. Uh, this is never going to work. We're trying to cl- climb Mount Everest and it's just too high. You know, you start doubting yourself. You have this this imposter syndrome. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, once in a while, you hear one of these refreshing stories, and it, it gives a boost of energy to say, you know what? Let's keep going, man. We're we're doing good work here. Exactly, exactly, man. So, hey, we, you know, we're too much too soon. We we've been talking about it. We like. You know, looking back now, okay, the blog started in 2009. Obviously, you guys were, were already in the, the, the football world, the coaching world, much before that. Um, is there anything that you guys have kind of looked at or you personally or you got, or the 343 group has looked at and said, okay, hey, have we thought about this? Will we do this differently? How would we approach this what are some of the things that is there one thing that that kind of sticks out and then from there we can just like you know start talking through that yeah so what would we do differently it's you're catching me a little cold because it's tough Kef. it's it's tough because mm-hmm. you know if i reflect if i reflect back let's let's go beyond or before the mls days um okay we were we were in an environment like the rest of American soccer, uh, is, which is, you know, usually training twice a week, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe an hour and a half, uh, every session with limited field space, right? That's Mm -hmm. usually the typical environment. Well, that was our environment as well. Um, for those early years leading up to and including, you know, that famous video. So when I reflect, I'm like, fuck, like, could we have done anything better? And, Mm-hmm. And this is not to be cocky or arrogant or anything, but we just gave everything. First off, I need to clarify: this is Brian's project. This is, Brian's the genius. Brian's yeah. the the talent. Okay, I, I just was in a supporting role and helped however I could. But I'm just looking at how much that guy worked and put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for peanuts, uh, and same here. And like, I don't know what else we could have done. That's even more. If you feel me, you yeah. feel what I'm saying, like. From from a, from a development standpoint as well, because again, if you fast forward to today and you look at that uh, original team, you know a handful of players are pros, man. So, mm-hmm. and this is from the age of nine or ten, eleven. You know, uh, at least five. I, I lose track because other players got recruited in who also became pros. Got it. Uh, got so, it. So you start you start thinking to yourself like. Well, Jesus, like, could we have made that, could we have made even more pros out of the team? And I, I start saying, like, how is that, po- like, how is that even possible? Yeah. You feel me? Again, yeah. again, don't, don't take this the wrong way. It's no. just for me to really put, put my finger on what we could have done better in terms of player development. Now, yep. in terms of maybe maneuvering within the political structure mm-hmm. that is uh, American youth clubs, uh, meaning how to you know how to speak to board members, how to maybe uh, maneuver in that sense um, a little bit better, or maneuver with U.S. soccer a little bit better. Um, that could have changed if we wanted a different sort of outcome, mm-hmm. um, like for ourselves. You know, if we wanted to you know totally uh, play nice and and not ruffle any feathers, you know, and make everybody happy. You know, mm-hmm. that could have been a lot 
uh, more lucrative for ourselves, but I think that would have negatively impacted the players. Um, so it's a good question, Kev. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'll have to think more about it as to what we would have changed in terms of on the development side itself, because we did everything we possibly could, I think. Yeah. I mean, right. so, so so looking at that, you said, what, you guys were training, uh, well, obviously, before before you moved into, like, a different academy situation, you guys were pretty much training, what, twice a week with the same group of players. Was was there ever, like, did you guys do more? Did you guys feel like, okay, twice a week in a game? Yeah. You know, how did, how yeah. did it kind of structure? Or, like, those players who made it pro, what was their general, like, week like? You know, they spent two days with you guys, or they spent an extra through or four, doing other yeah. training. What was that like? What was that yeah. like? So, no, that's a great question. So, so yeah, it does go beyond the two days a week. Um, there's two things. One is for us, it was seven days a week. So communication okay. with the players and the families were happening beyond those two, two days a week. Mm -hmm. And so far as giving players homework, what it is they should be working on, what kind of environment would be beneficial to them, uh, giving them the freedom to, to go out and play pickup games or to play even like other Mexican league games, you know, even mm. though you're not supposed to do that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we're yeah. like, oh, okay, go ahead and go ahead and do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so it was beyond that. Um, and, and the players in particular who turned pro and, and this is not to say the others weren't, but they, cause they were, they, they would listen, man, they were just playing pickup ball a lot, whether it be with their, brothers aunts uncles father um friends in a park yeah um they were doing they were doing that regularly um, um outside the training environment which is hugely beneficial um and then watching games on tv you know most it's no secret that most of our uh yeah i mean our primary demographic on that team and our most of our teams were mexican-american or latino-american and they you know they had this culture about mm. them where football was kind of in their DNA as well um, from their families. So they would watch the Mexican league since they were, you know, four years old probably and couldn't even understand what was, what they were watching. Mm. Um, so they had a lot of extracurriculars outside of just our training environment. No question. Got it. Mm. it yeah. Yeah. James, I, I'll, yeah. I'll let you jump in. Yeah. And, and, and looking back, what, what really shaped your view on yours and Brian's view on how you wanted to, the game to be played and how you wanted to teach the game and what how did you guys stay motivated to carry on going in that direction even though when you saw other teams and other coaches they were doing totally opposite yeah so obviously Brian should be asked this question as well but I'll give my take mm -hmm. uh, my take is before this youth team that everybody came to know from YouTube um, Brian had coached other teams mm -hmm. um and, and the first team he ever coached was already at the U-17, U-18, U-19 level. Uh, and he just had been influenced because we're the sons of Argentine uh, parents. Mm. Uh, our whole culture is, is Argentinian in background. So we always had that sort of view of the game, you know, very possession-based, very possession-oriented. And then it's, that's, you know, Marcelo Bielsa was one of our role models. And then Pep came along, you know, a little bit later, but... Mm. In Brian's first team, he wanted to implement 
a possession-based uh, way of playing, keeping mm. the ball 70% of the game and, and having the other team just <laughs> chase after the ball. Yeah. Um, mm. so, he, so he had already been implementing that for several years or many years before uh, he took hold of this new U10 team. And then when he t- took hold of the U10 team, it was not only did he have the experience in implementing it successfully, um, but now he had these really good players at a very young age that he can really mold um, from a from a technical and tactical side. Whereas if you just get a U17 team that's never played that way before, it's that much harder. Mm, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, man, I think. I think it just goes back to our roots, uh, James, as to how we view the game. We don't we don't want to play that, you know, kick and run sort of uh, random jungle ball, as I used to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, or even or even or even or even back in the day, you know, because the modern Premier League is a little bit different than it was 10, 15 years ago. But 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was a lot of that, you know, just yeah. you know, route route one and run like a madman, you know, tackle like a madman, serve it in the mixer as much as you can and see, hopefully something happens. And it wasn't like, for most people who will be listening, it wasn't like that Pep's Barcelona, right? Which is what we liked. Um, So we were were anti-England for so long. I know you're in London, brother, but (laughs) (laughs) English football was not our thing. Fair enough. Hey, Hey Gary, so take me take me through this. Let's say, okay, I have a son now; he's six years old. But let's say in three or four years, let's say we're winding the car. Uh, uh, three or four years, my son would be ten, right? All right. Take me to the point of like uh, my ten-year-old son being in you guys' group. What was okay? Gotcha. Obviously, you have the sessions. What was the pressure like? For a kid in you guys' situation, do you feel it was just enough, too much? But not just from the coaching staff. I mean, from the parents, from the environment that you're in. Obviously, playing in SoCal. What was that kind of? What would what would my son's experience have been back in the day being in you all's program if he was good enough? Yeah, no, got it. That's a great question too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first and foremost. If- the kids, the players have to have to be enjoying themselves. They have to have fun. That's mm-hmm. number one. Because if if they're not ha- enjoying themselves and having fun, you know they're going to shut down and shut off and and not fall in love with the ball. Continue falling in love with the ball and, and the process of becoming a better footballer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a skill that that I think Brian um, in particular has. Right, he has this connection with. Mm-hmm with young players that I think many adults, myself included, lack. He has a, a specific empathy where he can navigate that fine line between being uh, your best friend in the world who loves you and adores you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the player and the players feel it, you know, mm. and then, and then the other side of the equation where it's like, Hey man, this is business. You know, I'm your coach. That's, Let's get down to business. This isn't all fun and games. So you have to be able to have that. It's a skill, Catherine. It's a mm. skill, and, and the guy and the guy seems to be uniquely equipped to to have the players absolutely fall in love with him and want to bleed for him. Mm. Um, yeah. You know. Mm. Uh, so so that's number one is having fun, and then it goes in stages. I think. Um, okay. For, for, first, I should say, you know, the younger you are, the more important that fun aspect is. Mm-hmm. And then as you as you increase in age and maturity, 
you can start layering in a little bit more seriousness mm-hmm. as the years go by, depending on the objectives of the player, right? If the, if the player and the family, you know, if their goal truly is to become a pro, which is what I think we're talking about here. Yep. Well, well, they also have to have a certain mentality and approach and posture um, to what this is all about, you know? Um, so, and what I mean by that, for example, is it can't also just all be fun and games, meaning, oh, this weekend we have a family trip, you know, I'm sorry, he can't go to the game sort mm. of thing. Or, mm. yeah, or, or, or I'm sorry, you know, the next two weeks or the next week, you know, we're all going to Hawaii. He's missing uh, training and the game on the weekend, which I understand families have lives, you yeah. know, um, but, but that's something that we need to communicate that we would communicate to the families. It's like, Hey, that's fine. Like you can do that. Just be aware of, of how that impacts uh, or might impact you in the long term. And that's not a threat right. at all. It's simply like, Hey guy, it, you're just, you're communicating or signaling that, you know, there are other people who sacrifice those things um, to, to, for soccer yeah yeah yeah. sacrificing soccer for other things Mm -hmm. um so fun first kevin the other thing i'll add before i'll shut up for a moment here no 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 is yeah is is you know at this u10 u11 u12 u13 level which is what you're asking about uh for your son yeah um you know you know brian assembled a group of very talented players who at least here in Southern California and even internationally, we were, we were basically creaming everybody just mm-hmm. yeah. total destruction of, of the highest level teams in the land. It was five, zero, six, zero, seven, one, four, zero. The most competitive games might've been three to one or three to zero. So from the winning perspective, since we were always winning, no matter who we would feel, basically um, that pressure, you know, isn't as huge, you know, we didn't mm. really feel a huge yeah. pressure to win. The players didn't feel a huge pressure to win. Uh, the pressure that was inculcated into them is like, Hey, maximize your performance, you mm-hmm. know, cause that's what matters. Um, and I think that's something that, that people in the States get mixed up when, when they read articles about Barcelona and other youth academies overseas that when they read that those clubs don't care about winning, they fucking care about winning. It's just that <laughs> at the youth level, it's yeah. just that at the youth level, they're not that concerned about it because they crush everybody. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they don't have they don't have to worry about that. But in the you know in the states or if, if you're a lower level club or lower level team, like if you don't win, well that causes problems to your to your development process because parents and players start wondering whether there's a good job being done here. Yep. And you know and and that causes issues. It doesn't allow you to to train in peace and and do your work to the best of your ability because now you have to be managing uh, the perceptions of of the club, of the club directors, of the parents, and of the players that mm. hey, maybe this isn't a good environment because we're not winning. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I'll I'll take a pause there and see if you have uh, other no, thoughts. No, no, I think you know I think it's I think it's interesting what you say is that you know. First thing that you mentioned is the, the culture, the kids that, that came together at 10, the, the culture, that the familial culture that they had already. So that even that already kind of sets the tone before you actually, you know, you, you obviously start to, to create your own culture, too, of like, OK, this is what we're going to be as a group. Uh, you know, this is how focused and serious we're going to be. And I think it, it lays down 
it sounds like a lot of the job was done based on the, because of the culture you had. You know, they wanted to play in the Mexican league. They already were saying, "Hey, we're going to play more." <laughs> you know what I mean? Even if you guys are training, we're we're going to play more. We're going to um, the, we're going to be watching games uh, on the weekends with our kids. We're going to be doing different things. And then, as like you said, then you start to obviously have success on the field in, in the product that you're showing, and then at the same time, you're winning. It kind of leads to that where people are like, okay, this is this is the direction that we want to kind of go, and then, and then obviously, I think, like you said, detailing when you guys went overseas. Like I think what your, your first trip to Barcelona, I think you brought that group, right? You guys played Barcelona with that U ten group, right, or was that U eleven? Yeah, yep, yep. No, U U ten was our first time. Yeah, yeah. Detail detail that experience. I mean, it's been a minute, but like. That that was your first time in Europe with that group, right? Like their first, like, could you detail that a yeah. little bit? Like, because I know a lot well, of people first, go to Europe now, so uh huh. Yeah, the, so so the first time that group went, I couldn't go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 I mean, it's secondhand knowledge at this point, you know, from from Brian himself. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously the players over the years, but yeah, they went over there and and you know they played two games against uh, Barcelona, the real mm. Barcelona, right? Mm-hmm. And and the first game they won. Uh, actually, sorry, they played one game uh, that trip, and in the first half they were winning. You know, our team was winning uh, uh, because I think the the Barcelona team basically put on their B squad, mm. uh, and then the A and then the A squad was uh, supplemented at at halftime. Mm. And I think it, the a game ended up in a draw. But you know, from what I hear from Brian is we were basically all over them. You know, mm. our our kids. Our kids were not intimidated by the moment. Uh, they weren't intimidated by the jersey. Um, you also have to understand that these kids come from a culture background that that we were always smashing teams, and mm-hmm. and <laughs> they they had that mentality going into it. It's like ah, okay, yeah, whatever. We're gonna smash. We're gonna smash this team too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So so it was it was really good. You know they were matched up very well one-to-one and that's kind of what opened up the eyes of that club to the point where they ended up recruiting one of our players and signing one of our players at mm. that point which is the ben letterman yep. uh, story mm-hmm. um and then the club that we were operating out of barcelona usa you know already kind of had a, a little relationship with with the real barcelona and that th- those games just solidified the relationship even more right because mm. i think there was a certain respect that came um, with those scrimmages and then Brian obviously being able to communicate in fluent Spanish with with the coaching staff and the directors there at the club um, but um, yeah that was the first trip and then subsequently there were a few other European tours where the where the team did very well uh, against Ajax as well you know that game was tied four to four mm-hmm. and then with Barcelona and then with Barcelona again leading up to the last time we met up which was at the youth 13 level Barcelona beat us at uh, 2-0 mm-hmm. but it was a very well contested very well evenly matched uh, game mm-hmm. uh, but Ansu, Ansu Fati was too much for us uh, in that moment <laughs> <laughs> naming, someone, naming, naming a, a, a future golden boy huh <laughs> yeah, 100% exactly. but, 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 but I don't know I don't know if that answers uh, what you wanted to hear. The, yeah. other, the other thing I should I can add is it's just so important, in my opinion, for the development of of the players, for them to get out of their regional area. Um, 
as much as they can. I know it's expensive and I know not everybody has the, the wherewithal to do so, but if they can and experience other countries, um, I think that helps their development process because it opens up their eyes to, to, Hey, Hey guys, there's more to it than, than well, me you know, the competition in your area. Yeah. 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 And um, so by listening to all of that, it really sounds like the mental development as well is very important and it's underestimated over here in the States. And it feels like the culture and the environment you had the kids in really took them to a mental, um, a place where their peers weren't catching them mentally. I, I would say, I would say that's true. Um, yeah, the mental component, right? There's there's four components, uh, as you know, is widely cited: the technical, mm-hmm. the tactical, the the physical, and, and the mental slash psychological, right? And that mental, that last mental one is just so key, James, in my opinion, because especially the older you get, because it drives the other three. Meaning, if you if you have the right mentality, the right posture, then you'll want to. Uh, get better in the other three you'll want to you know put in the work and improve te- technically tactically and and physically and i'm saying at the older ages at this point but it starts young um but it's also tricky man like they go through this these stages um mm. you enter puberty you yep. enter puberty yep. right and then and then the you know the kids all of a sudden start thinking differently having different priorities maybe they enter high school girls yeah. come into the picture yeah. uh you enter the 16 17 18 years of age now all of a sudden you can drive so you have that added freedom and now it's a question of whether you're going to abuse that freedom or stay on the course uh, mm. of you wanting to be a professional footballer um and i don't know how much control because a coach can have in that, you know, in the early years, because there's so many external influences, right? There's, wow. there's the family influence, which is the family influence is just so key. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the parents really are with, or with the kid for such a long period of time and they're able to massage the brain more so probably than, than the coach can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, there's, you know, the environment outside the coach, outside of uh, soccer and outside of the parents, which is who are their friends? You know, who are they hanging out with? Mm. Um, you pro- you've probably heard this expression, right, guys? Like you are the average of the five people you most hang out with. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, okay. So who are the five closest people or the five closest friends of the player? Um mm that matters especially as you get older and especially as you get into your late teens uh, and early 20s because if you're if you're if you're if you're hanging around with party goers and and people who prioritize other things outside of your profession or their jobs then then man that's a that's a toxic place to be if you want to achieve a very high level even even if you had your head straight from 10 to 14 kef and james Mm -hmm. i think I think that can go off the rails uh, yeah. pretty easily, depending on home life, depending on all kinds of factors. Wow, man, it, that's interesting that you say that. I, I never, well, not now. I never thought about it, but I didn't think so much about, like you said, those other factors that really come in. Like you said, fourteen entering high school, it totally, it totally starts to change. Like how people, how kids, how kids, families, players are are operating in their mind. Like, hey, what do I want to do? 
Um, do I want to pursue this? Yes or no? I mean, I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you even uh, even more so on that. Like, so these kids, their families that were with you from this process from ten all the way up, some who stayed with you all the way to be pro. Where their mindsets at ten years old was their mindset like, look, man, I want my kid to be professional, or was it like, look, we're here, we're here for the ride, you know, we're gonna be committed. How was that, you know? And and was the pressure too much at certain times that you guys had to reel them in, you know? Um, were there certain, you know, were there certain things that you guys ever noticed where you're like, hey, we need to, we need to work on this or this, and, and not specific things, but. You know, just if were there things that you guys noticed in trying to like na- help help the players navigate their soccer careers? Yeah, there's, there's that's a great question too, man. Um, the what I saw was a mixture. There was everything. Um, okay. I think I think what I can say generally is that yeah, most of the of the parents of these players, you know, had that dream uh, of their kid being a pro. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I think I, I think I can say that uh, in general. Okay. Um, but how? But how every family or parent kind of um, uh, expressed that, you know, to their kids and to us, varied. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, if if the kid was always a starter and always a star of the team and all that stuff, you know, things usually would go smoothly and things were, you know, parents were always supportive of us and always uh, basically supportive of the player with, with a couple of, of exceptions where the parent was still on top of the player, mm. um, that it wasn't good enough. You know, that, that the parent, the parent themselves thought, Hey, I see my kid. I think he's only going 80% of what he could be going, even mm. though he's scoring all these goals and, and from from an outsider looking in, they probably say, "Oh my God, this player is amazing. He's a superstar." But the parent is like looking at him, saying, mm, "You know, you effed up. You know, and, and you know, these five or six or ten different times on the field." And they would point it out. So, um, in our role there, we would sometimes look at it and judge it and interject at some point with the parent, saying, "Hey, man, like." You know, we're a team in this, uh, yep. the coaching staff and you. And like, like I think what, what your son needs at the moment is uh, like more encouragement and less pressure, you know, mm. from you guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, or vice versa. You know, the other mixture was you had, a, you had the parent who would never correct the player, would never say anything. Uh, critical to the player give them crit- critical meaning critique Catherine. Mm-hmm. like healthy like criticism like hey yeah. man like you're, you're not putting it you know what i'm saying it, it wasn't yeah. like something really bad but but there were parents who were never ever and say and think to themselves my kid is a superstar mm. right and and that's also unhealthy because well your kid's good now as an 11 year old <laughs> you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah. like, you, you got a long way to go so we also had to try and do our best and and manage those sorts of things, um, you know, and then there were kids who were getting called to youth national team camps and, and other kids were not getting called to youth national team camps. And those parents were saying, why the F is my kid not being called? He's just as good as, if not, if, if, if not better. Oh, you know man. what I mean? So, so they, the, the they, problem, hey Gary, like we're killing everybody, but it, it doesn't stop, right? Hey Gary, do people understand that when you say national team, we're talking about the whole freaking country, right? <laughs> like it is, <laughs> yeah. 
like I would not want to be. I mean, we're talking about the whole country, like making a decision on players. It's it's uh, you know, of course you you know you, you hope that they have a whoever's making the decision is is uh, you know that you you hope they have the the right. I guess the the right eye and judgment for talent, but at the same time, like when I hear people complain about that, I'm like, guys, I mean, either they think you're good enough or they don't. If they don't, it's just time to get back to work. You know what I mean? You know that that's just me. That, but sorry, yeah, keep keep going. No, that's perfect, Kevin. Control what you can control was always our message. You guys control when you can control. You know what I'm saying? You can't control who the national team selects, you know what I'm mm. saying? You can't control who who Brian or the coaching staff decides are the starters or what position or whatever. That's not, you guys control what you can control, mm. right? And that, that message goes for, for both the parents and, and the players. Um, another general comment I would say is it's, I mean, I've been through this trajectory from youth to pro on three separate occasions now. And, and, mm-hmm. and what I can gather is that the parents Generally speaking, there could be exceptions, but the parents who who think that their kid is a superstar, mm-hmm. um, their kid th- doesn't end up making it. Mm. I mean, I mean, they they might go far, they might even turn pro uh, at some point, but they they just fizzle out and die. Like their kids don't make it, man. Wow. And and the the ones who seem to make it are are the ones who are, in my opinion, again, the parents have a more balanced. Uh, approach uh, versus thinking that their kid is is the greatest thing ever. Is the one, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's man. So, so let's. What's interesting about that is, like you said, is is, I guess, and I guess that that, that plays through in little comments. I guess in in well, you know, obviously the parents had, like you said, they're they're spending the most time with the player, right? You're getting your hour and a half, maybe four or five days a week or whatever, and then obviously having the games. But, like, after the game or before the game, the parent is actually doing a lot of the psychological preparation for the player, right? They're in the car driving an hour or two to the game, and then they're doing the hour or two afterwards, and then, you know, they're either, you know, they're either putting too much pressure on the kid before the game or after the game criticizing them too much or like you said, it's that balance, and and I always we I always used to tell the parents in our group. I said, "Hey, you have to be careful how you even speak about the coach, especially as the players get older. How you speak about the coach or speak about the system and and everything that you're doing because the kid, you know, they they start to essentially the kids start to formulate a lot of their opinions and their views just based off just based off or what you're saying, you know, and I, I used to tell parents, I was like, you got to be careful with that. You know, if like if you're even talking about another player, because the kids start to take that opinion and, and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like this instead of instead of having like a more open mind to everything that's going on. OK, why you're not starting? Why this player plays over you? Um, why you're not playing in this position instead of that position? Those type of things. I think I think parents at times. Um, like you said, it's a team thing. I think it's important that not that they're careful, but it's more like they're measured in thinking about like their talks and their interactions with the kid have a big effect in how that kid performs. In my opinion, there's no, there's no question, man. And I've seen so many kids, 
uh, again, in my opinion, because what do I know? Um, mm. Who's whose potential uh, for becoming something was completely ruined, in my opinion, by the parents, just completely ruined. Wow. Um, uh, you know, and 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 usually that ends up happening with with the players who don't get that much playing time, you know, mm. and the parents think they, they deserve so much more. Mm. Um, uh, and then, you know, those conversations I'm sure happen between parent and kid because the, then the kid's posture and training starts shifting. You know, the kid was happy uh, even getting, you know, half a game and not full games, you know what I'm saying? Or three quarters of the game or, or sometimes not playing a game, but he's playing the, the following game. You know, mm-hmm. the kid was happy because he loves his teammates. He loves the sport. He loves training. He loves the environment. Um, but the parents kind of, in my opinion, you know, poisoned the kid's head. And then he start his training habits go into the gutter because he starts thinking like his parents think and doesn't give a shit anymore. Uh, because he thinks he's being treated unfairly and then that carries over if the kid leaves the, the team then okay fair enough but then that it starts carrying over into the following team and the following team and the following team that becomes the culture of that of that family mm. um and, and the and, and the kid's potential is never realized again mm. we can't we can't live two lives you know we can't do two experiments and see which one which one and which one the kid uh, pans out, you know, so so I don't know if the other track is better. I'm just sharing my my view of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, well, think about that. Let's let's segue into Argentina really quick. So let's let's say hypothetically, you know, you guys obviously were in the U.S. and you developed this program. If you guys were in Argentina and three, four, three, you all were in Argentina running this program. <laughs> What do you think would be the differences or the similarities in in the in the development? Like if you're dealing with the you know you're dealing with obviously a soccer first culture in Argentina, like what do you think you would be dealing with there? Or how what's their mentality, the culture, and you know how does that compare to maybe you know like from the SoCal culture and and, and whatnot? If you can give us some light, yeah. uh, shed some light on that. Yeah. It's a good question, a tough question. Um, I'll, okay. I'll tell you what first came to mind. Okay. Uh, what first came to mind is in the U.S. Uh, let's okay. Let's let's frame this a certain way. Let's say you're trying to develop pros. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in the U.S., it seems like there's always this safety net. Um, Mm. whereby if it doesn't pan out for you, you know, if you don't achieve your objectives in, in football and that could, that could be developing, being a pro or getting a college scholarship or I don't know, just getting to the national youth national team or whatever your objective is, there's always a safety net here in the States. And that safety net is you're always going to have a roof over your head. You're always going to have food. You're always going to have a good middle class to upper middle class life. If we're talking about youth soccer in our country and, perhaps even an affluent life, uh, Catherine, because in youth, youth, soccer, youth club soccer in the States is kind of dominated by that demo. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, so, so if they don't make it, if they don't crack it, there's this underlying feeling, uh, I think, that, ah, that's fine. No, like, no big deal. You know what I'm saying? We're good. You're, you're going to be good. You're going to have a 
the white picket fence, a house, you know, a career and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're in the States in Argentina, man, everybody's like scrapping to make a living mm. period. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you might have a roof over your head and food on the table in Argentina as well, but it's different mm. than over here. You know, here, here I'm sitting, I'm actually talking to you in my bedroom. I don't know. It's not, it's not anything luxurious, you know, but I have enough space for a queen size bed, you know, uh, a, a nice six foot desk that I'm talking to you yeah. on a computer about, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in Argentina, you have a roof and food, but not like I do, mm. you know what I'm saying? And, and you don't, and you don't have the luxury of just chilling or t- taking a vacation or taking a day off or things of that nature. So over there, man, it's that, that drives so much of your mentality to survive right um uh, so i think there's just a different level of hunger between the two places it was a long-winded answer but that's what came to mind no you know what being from the south uh you know my family being from the south they used to talk about you know obviously american football they used to be like do you have a dog in you do you have the dog or not you know what i mean and it's a different it's a different vibe when you play sports down there with something you know what i mean like you gotta be a dog and if you ain't a dog they just gonna you know and this this is from young ages like (laughs) you see how people are are coaching them and everything it's a different culture and that and what you're saying reminds me i think reminds me of that i mean what would you say james about you know what what gary's talking about with argentina or whatnot no and it gives you a different sort of drive to a kid that's over here and i 100 percent understand what he's talking about because little things like being able to have things that access so easily that you have over in the States and in England, obviously. And I'm, my family's from Ghana. So my cousins in Ghana, it's not the same situation. They all come to my house and I felt that I was living poor. And they'll be like, no, nah, you're spoiled. And their their hunger was just totally different from mine. Their drive for life in general was totally different from mine. And that brings me to, um, I was on Clubhouse um, listening to one of your conversations, Gary, and you were talking mm-hmm. about Pro well actually being more of a moral thing now is more, yeah. more go is far beyond um, your first when you first started talking about it. Now it's more of an immoral obligation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I can I can I mention one more thing on the on this topic? That, yeah. Um, of the, the different cultures is that enables the kids and the parents of the kids like they can handle more pressure. You know, and be and be healthy about handling more pressure than here mm. in the states, um, mm. and, and that translates to that translates to the field and, and the soccer environment because it, it makes them. I don't know over here. I mean, you, you see what's written down about coaches maybe uh, raising their voice on the sideline, you know, to give instructions or yeah. things of that nature. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just so frowned upon. It's like, oh my god, you are like damaging. Uh, 14 year olds by you know yelling on the field to give instructions you know you should just sit down and let them play as yeah. if, you know the, as if these kids are fragile little snowflakes that are whose self-esteem is just going to crumble yeah. you know, by, yeah. the, by the smallest of criticisms yeah um and in argentina brother if you're on the sidelines in argentina and if you're in the training session in argentina <laughs> yeah. what, what, what over what over here is demonized over there they look at it like 
is that it? Like, seriously, coach? Like, do you, do, coach, do you even care about yeah. your players and teams? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and if a coach in Argentina just is just chilling, sitting down in a long chair on the sidelines, you know, during training or during a game, like, like what the F are you doing, man? Like, are you crazy? And again, this goes back to the kids seem are more resilient. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're not as offended so quickly, and neither are their families. And, and their self-esteem is anchored elsewhere. You, you feel me? Their self-esteem exactly. is their self-esteem, in my opinion, is anchored on their ability to survive. You it's, know it's, what I'm saying? And so, yep. and so if, if, if that's where their self-esteem is anchored, it's almost like they invite the pressure, they invite the criticism. Um, like it's they view it as as a way of life. Um, yeah. And here it's like, oh my goodness, like we need to cancel people immediately for, for doing anything that's, yeah, that's, the, that's yeah. not with, uh, I don't know, with, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I've, on. I've had this, you know, it's so funny. I've had this discussion because obviously you see on, I think you've seen on Twitter, been talking about like the, the need to get kids just to play and to, and to do the, and to express right. themselves and not feel pressure, all that stuff. But I, I must say that I haven't, I probably need to start describing there's a culture I'm talking to, which is probably mostly a suburban culture, if I'm being honest, because the like you said, the you know, in, in the States, the inner city culture, like me and James used to be at Kip D.C. Them kids are different. Like, it's it's just a totally different. They can handle it. They can to- handle yeah, it. Right? Totally they're, different. They're cool with it. Totally different vibe. The way they talk to each other is even like. Bro, like it's a totally different vibe. Not saying it's like, I'm not saying. Um, of course, there's a ba- like you said, there's a balance. So I, I I want people to understand. But I think with the development, I think people that are listening to this, and if you have kids or or players, you need to understand what culture you're coming from. You know what I mean? So like, a Holland is coming from a different environment than Mbappe or an Eto, or you know, Mbappe is coming from a different environment than Eto. At those, you know, like there's different, you know, there's different situations. Like if you hear, you know, Mane's story, like he had to find boots and he had to walk like miles to make it to training, you know, all that type of stuff. So his threshold of handling like Klopp screaming at him, he just probably laughs at it. You know what I mean? Like it's like whatever. Like dog, I, I had to walk to get here. You know what I mean? Um, there's like a different. And so that that kind of affects, and then you have Holland, who who comes from well, suburban background in Norway. I assume you know Scandinavian countries, you know everything's kind of well taken place. But he comes from a background where I think he had an older brother. His dad played, so he was able to you know. I think there was a sense. I, I would love to hear his story because I assume there was some, there's a sense of like trying to prove himself. But you know, obviously people are different. But it's like. I think people really need to understand the the culture they're dealing with in their own house. But then at the same time, and and we talked to Dom Rotundo the other night, take your kid out of their comfort zone. So like my boy, we living in Shocking, nice little comfortable Dutch village. I already tell him, I was like, bro, when you go to Amsterdam, it's a different flavor, bro. Like you're playing with them kids. It's a different flavor. Like, he went to a training. So, like, here when we're training at the local youth club, I'll see some of the parents picking up kids at, when they get knocked down and stuff. That Some of the coaches, six, seven. I'm just looking at them like, do they need to go to the hospital? Because if they don't need to go to the hospital, what are you doing going over there picking them up for? 
Like, tell the boy to get up. You know what I mean? It's time to play. Where I, I noticed in Amsterdam, my son went to go train in Amsterdam. He gets knocked down. None of the coaches come over. Nobody reacts. I mean, these are black Suriname coaches. You know what I mean? They're just looking at it like, you good? You ready to play? Yes or no? And then guess what? He quickly adapted to, oh, okay, this is different. You know what I mean? I honestly think a lot of these, you know what you should you should do, Gary? A camp in Argentina, boy. <laughs> bring, bring them down for the real. Bring them down for the real, man. <laughs> you know? No, that, and, and, and Kev, like, it's a good point. Like, it's all, a lot of it is age dependent also. It's culture. Yeah, age. Age, yep. You know, age and like, culture. So, a lot to look yeah, at. So, so like we're, yeah, so like what we were talking about before, I mean, your son is six or seven? How old is your son? Six. 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 Yeah, so okay, like six to ten or whatever. Have fun. It's all, you know, it's yeah. like you, you don't need somebody down your, you know, your grill. Like, yeah. no, just fucking enjoy yourself. Yeah. Like, that is a good example that you gave. Like, hey, if a kid falls down playing soccer, like, don't treat it like a tragedy where you have to go and rescue him, mm-hmm. even at seven seven years of age. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's that's that might be a contending point. You know, of of us here in the states versus maybe in Argentina. Say, like in Argentina, it's like, oh yeah, my son just fell. You know, because somebody tackled him. Okay, well, get up, bud. Get you up. Know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of running on the field. Oh my goodness, yeah. are you okay? Like that. Like, come on, man. Hey, Gary. When that's I was. Gary, when I started to play uh, travel soccer around like 10, 11 years old, bro, if I was on the ground more than one second, my mom would be screaming, saying, "Boy, you better get off, get off that field, get up off that field right now!" Like, it was coming from my mom, like, "Bro, don't you be sitting here doing that?" And like that, like you said, that's a cultural thing where some people maybe look at that and say, "Well, wow, why would you be like that?" And that's a, that's a bad mom. Hey, yeah, hey, you should be in child services. Hey, bro, my mom, my mom that season, uh, they 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 had an award show and they said uh, not award show, but a award ceremony like end of the season type of thing, right? So they called me up. They said, "Hey, what does MVP mean?" So I'm like, "Oh, most valuable player." I was like, "Hype." They said, "Nope, mm-hmm. most valuable parent." They gave my mom a trophy <laughs> over me, bro, because <laughs> I remember that. She still holds that over me to this day, and I'm just like, yeah, but my mom was like, I mean, the coach had to tell my mom, like, yo, there was one game, and my mom was like, I didn't drive no two, three hours. I'm working two two jobs, two or three jobs, keep, you know, I can't even afford this to have you out here. My mom was like, so I remember she she got on me one after, after this one game, and uh, Coach Wilcox, the brother from Trinidad, who was our coach, he was like, honey, honey. He's like, leave the boy alone. I was crying. <laughs> like, I was crying. She had me crying in the parking lot after the game because she was like, nah, that effort wasn't good enough on me. Like, we out here, you traveling. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? But I don't know. I thank my mom for that type of stuff. You know, that type of mentality. You know? I don't know. You know? Yeah, I don't know either. And, and I'm, well, I'm glad you're, you you got kids, man. You can explore that space. Uh yourself now you know um you know yeah. something that some people try to criticize me on is i still don't have kids right perhaps uh i mean it'll have to be an accident maybe i don't know but uh, <laughs> 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 but um but but that's how gary but you don't have kids you don't understand and i'm like okay like what am i supposed to say to that you know yeah. but at the same time but but at the same time it's good to hear parents who 
who absolutely agree with me um, mm. and, and whose kids end up uh, being very successful uh, in this space and in other professions as well who had parents like that. And, and again, I was also a kid, right? So I see how my parents, you know, brought me up. So I formed my own opinions also on that front. And then lastly, and I don't know how you feel about this. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm not a parent, you know, but like you're a first time parent who's mm-hmm. going through your kid's soccer experience. And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about you, Kefra. I'm talking about uh, yeah, anybody yep. over here. And yeah. And, and for the first time and going through this trajectory with, with your one kid this one time and making judgments on what a soccer environment should be, what is best, what's not best. And I'm like, okay, but I've been through this with thousands of kids, mm. you know what I'm saying? Not just yeah. one kid. I've been through this thousands. Of, I've seen thousands of kids trajectories, mm-hmm. you know, th- from U9 to, through up, uh, up into pro. Right. So I think I, even though I don't have a child myself, I can kind of make an assessment of like, hey, you know, this is what worked for these players and this is what didn't work for these other players. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yep. You know, yeah, like yeah. like almost like a almost like a school teacher. Okay, maybe a school teacher uh, doesn't have kids of their own, but they've had hundreds or thousands of kids under their tutelage and, and they yeah. see the different flavors of kids mm-hmm. uh, instead of just one flavor instead of one flavor, which is your one kid. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, sorry, you saying, James? No, that's right. It's not a one size fits all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and I think it's it's, it, and that's the thing that we're trying to explore. I think with this segment is that we're trying to say, look, there's different. You, I guess you you try to observe different environments for your kid. Um, you try to observe. You need to also understand, and mostly when we're talking, we're talking about the pro pathway for those who are listening. Um, we're talking about that. So we're not talking about, Hey, my kid just wants to play and have fun. That's fine. You know, that's not a, a, that's, that's not a problem, but we're talking about where you essentially start from six to 10. I think that, I think what we've been talking about, and if we could break it down just a little bit, we're not saying that's the exact ages for every, for every single person. But if you look at six to 10, we're talking about fun, exploration, getting used to the ball, socializing, playing the game, play. Then you start moving into these different ages, let's say 10 and up or 11, where you start to move into, okay, you need somebody who can help teach your kid properly, but also set in a culture that takes you to a different level. And then obviously, like, I think you hit 13, 14, like you mentioned with the friends and the, um, you know, where are you going with this and, and are you going to continue to pass type of thing? So if you break it down into those kind of three kind of segments, you know, I think parents, they can start to determine and then look at their own family culture about, OK, hey, this is what we're looking at. This is what we're doing. And and, and also, Gary, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. A lot of a lot of people are contacting me now. A lot of people are moving overseas, bro. It's crazy. And. Uh, for the soccer dream. The thing I do tell parents is this. Move for the experience, life experience. Don't move for the football as that is. Correct. I was like, the first thing is just life experience because there, there's people who are moving over mad young. I, I can tell you that, you know, I get messages. I'm like, oh, wow, you, you're doing it or we're looking at it. And move for the life experience because you're like, hey, I'm just going to go enjoy this and football is a part of it. And that's going to be your, the football is going to be your kids. It's, it's theirs. It's their gift 
it's their it's their um it's essentially their journey that you're just helping them with but you can't there's just no guarantees so don't go over there saying okay we're over there to and then you know you're going to make it pro but it, it is it's like you said like i i can assume when messi and those guys moved over at 12 they had to <laughs> you know what i mean like there wasn't a choice i guess i guarantee if you ask messi and those guys, if they didn't have to do it, they might not have done it at that young of age. That, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you have it 100% on, on, on the money, man. And I think going over there for the life experience puts you in the right frame of mind uh, where, where your setbacks aren't going to be devastating to you and you can keep pursuing the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, versus if you, if, if you put all your eggs in that one basket, like I'm coming here, to be a pro and then you ha- encounter setbacks, which you will, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that could just crush you, you know, and then there's no return from that crushing. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Hey, hey, Gary, we're going to take a quick, uh, a quick break. Um, one second here. Hey, everyone. Hey, we had to take a quick break, um, but we're back here with uh, 343's own Gary Cleveland. And uh, we are uh, we we just finished. Uh, well, not finished, but we were still continuing the conversation about uh, the culture between the U.S. and Argentina or similar cultures and and the pro path journey. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think we we're speaking, Gary, we, we were talking a little bit about, you know, the you know, growing up as a youth and then coming up through a certain culture and understanding the culture that you're coming through. Um, I mean, what else would you have to say? What else would you have to say for that? You know what I mean? Like coming up through Argentina and, and you know, their pro pathway. Like, oh, here's a good one. I, I, well, I hope you think it's a good one. Your boys, as you know them that have come through the system in the U.S., if you had placed them in Argentina with the same let's say the same development and drop them in Argentina. What do you think would have happened? Do you think they had, they had enough to make it through or do you think the deficiencies would have been like, what do you think? Or do you think it's a totally different, I mean, I know it's a huge hypothetical. It's not, it's, it, but I'm, I'm just trying to get like, what do you think from the culture you guys had? How would they have done? You think? Yeah. It's huge. I know. Yeah. See if I understand the question right. Um, so you're saying, what if I dropped uh, these players, you know, helicoptered them down into Argentina? And yeah, just, 15, like, 16 years old. 15, 16 years old. Yeah. 15, 16. Okay, at 15 or 16. Yep, you had dropped, dropped them. them off at River, Boca, yep. Mules, like just dropped them off in there. Yep. Um, do their families get to go too, or is it just the player? <laughs> 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 it's a different animal. Um, yeah. No, because my my gut my gut instinct is that they would be recognized instantly within those clubs. Like, oh wow, this is like, if not the best player, one of the best players that we have. Okay. In the club. Okay. Or, okay. Or in their age group. That I, so so from a football side of things, I think that would be the initial impression from the club. Mm-hmm. Um. But then, I, I think. God, it's just so hard to adapt, Kev. They they might get mentally chewed up and spit out um, mm. if they didn't uh, if they didn't adapt to 
to the Argentine culture, the Argentine, uh, the other kids, the other players. Um, yeah, because like you said, they, there's yeah, some I dogs, right? <laughs> yeah, man. I think it, I think it might be it, it might end up being very difficult for them. Mm. And so, and do you do you do you think that that culture in Argentina would be more difficult than actually Europe? Would you say that? Like trying to come through. I think. I think. I honestly, I think so. Um, and and I'll tell you why. I, I think just the general lifestyle outside of football is different. Like in Europe, it's kind of like the states. You know, you can go outside. You got your your restaurants and and the way the restaurants operate are, are similar to Argent, uh, to the United States. Um, the way the economy works similar to the United States. Uh, the the people you know sort of interactions i know it varies country from country obviously i've been in france so that's yeah. <laughs> a whole other story yeah yeah but, but um in Ar- it's in argentina i think the way of life is substantially different um mm. or significantly different it's it's very european but I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. I, it's a good question, Kefir. It's a good question. I think I think the players would have an easier time in Europe than in Argentina. I'll just leave it there. I don't know how how to express myself. No, no, I understand. Well, well, I mean, look. I know obviously you're you're representing players now and whatnot. So I guess South America would be a you know is would South America be a place that you would send a send a player in the future? Yeah, but the guy the guy has to be mentally stronger than ever. You know, you mm. have to be stronger than you have to be stronger to go down there than mm. to go to Europe. That's that's my opinion. Got it. It's just so fucking brutal down there, man. Yeah. Wow. Like they do not care. They do not care. Like if they view you as like not good enough or weak or you know not, they don't give you as much of a chance. You know, in mm. European culture, they're more. They're more humane about it all. If that makes sense, they're more, yeah. they're more, they're more into human rights and stuff like that. You yeah. know, so they understand. Oh, you're a human. You need some time to adapt, and we understand. And it's not that they don't say those things in Argentina either, but their their fuses are a lot shorter. Mm. 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 That hey, Gary, you got me, you got me intrigued. I got to bring my boy to Argentina. Now. I've already said I got to go to Brazil. <laughs> But now I gotta, I gotta make like, bro, a Brazil and Argentina. I'm down. Bro, you see the Uruguayan little leagues for six and seven year olds, right? Yeah, where, they, yeah. where they kick the crap out of each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we we had a practice tonight, and one of the parents is like, "Oh, this this kid is kicking. He's aggressive." And I was just sitting there. I was like, "Oh man," I was like. You guys don't have a clue. <laughs> like, you don't have a clue. And it's weird because, and, and, and then people here in the States wonder, like, why Suarez is who he is as a person. It's like, hey, man, like, that's his culture. That's where he comes from. Bro, they're witnessing. Yeah, like, why, they're, like, yeah uh-huh. Like, why did he, like, 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 why in the World Cup did he, you know, intentionally, you know, on the gold line, you know, just save it like a goalkeeper. Yeah. You know like, oh, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct and all this. Like, okay, yeah, unsportsmanlike. Shoot me. I don't care. My team won. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. They're witnessing, in Europe, they're witnessing the toned down version of, of what of what uh, Suarez went through. Imagine imagine all the games in the backyard, like the games that people were betting on, all that type of stuff, man. I can imagine. Yeah. No, that's... No, I that's hear, like, 
like here they like here in the states they complain. Oh, it's five zero. Like don't score any more goals. Like mm. are you kidding me? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> you guys are like run it up, run it up. <laughs> to me, to me, I don't know. And, and maybe like I said, maybe it's being old school, or whatever. But like back in the day when when that actually created motivation because you were. If somebody was better than you, it, it, that was the motivation. It wasn't that they were better than you and that didn't make that didn't encourage you. It actually went the opposite way. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I don't know if that's that's totally changed in culture now, but I don't know. I just think I just think your child going through ups and downs, you know, losing, uh, having to fight for something that actually builds like more character, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Instead of it being handed to them. I mean, I think so. Uh, I'm glad a parent is saying those things. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, hey, listen, man. My uh, my views. You know, it, it's. It, I tell you, it is. It is uh, different being a, a parent, and I'm. I'm trying to structure myself in a way where I don't put too much pressure on my own son. I mean, and look, he he likes the game he's playing, but you know. As 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 he gets older, we'll see how far he really wants to go with it, and and then we're gonna have to see how much, uh, you know. Let's talk again in four years <laughs> about how it's going. Yeah, but, but, but Kev, I think there's a difference uh, when you say not wanting to put too much pressure on him versus somebody here in the states that we traditionally hear about. Oh, don't put too much pressure on on the mm. kid. You know what I'm saying? I think there's mm. a difference between when you say it versus when they say it. Like mm. when you say it, I don't think you're advocating for eighth place to get a trophy. Mm. When they say it, they kind of are. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. <laughs> no, you could take. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm definitely not advocating for that. I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah, and that. It, but but that's hard though. It, it. I mean, so what? So really quick before I mean before you have to roll here real quick. What do you think? And uh, what do you think about? Our new generation of U.S. players, kind of over in in Europe. Obviously, you got a couple of boys in this situation too. So, what do you think so far? And what do you think um, if you could give a prediction? How are we looking in about two years from now, in terms of these players and the, this this group? It just you know, it's just this opinion. You know, just get just give us a, what you're thinking. Yeah. Well, first off. Um, I don't know. The first thing that comes to mind is like, well, welcome to the world. Yeah. Uh, America. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, you know, MLS and I'm sorry, it is, it is their situation. It's, it's them, right. They've been uh, resisting uh, this immigration of our players overseas for 25 years mm. uh, because there's always been interest in American players. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And we've always had, uh, pretty good players that could play in Europe mm-hmm. at a decent level or a high level. We've always had them, you know, mm-hmm. from or Dempsey or Donovan or uh, Oguchi Onyewu or you just name them. We've had them. And those are the players that actually got a taste of it. They were allowed mm. to go and have a taste, mm. you know, because European clubs were making offers for Americans throughout mm. the course of the past 25 years. It's just we would shut it down for one reason or another. Mm. Um, and it became more and more publicly known that the league was shutting down your transfers to Europe 
uh, most recently within the last five or six or seven years because of social media and the internet, you know, the, and the dissemination of information. And then the pressure just got so big in 2018-19 when, you know, this generation of players, you know, whether it be the two of ours that ended up leaving and going over there, but also their colleagues, Richie Ledesma, Sebastian Soto, uh, Chris Gloucester, uh, you know, before them, Christian Pulisic, Wesley McKinney left, mm -hmm. uh, Chris, Chris Richards, uh, who's the other, Taylor Booth. I mean, mm -hmm. it's over a dozen players who in one season just said, no, I'm not signing here in the States. I'm bouncing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that is, and that, I'm telling you, Kevin, that is what forced our league. That is what triggered our league into changing their tune. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because for a variety of reasons. One is it looks really bad on them, you know, that they can't sign their own homegrowns and and our homegrowns choose to say, no, sorry, we see there's no future here. We're gonna take our chances overseas, you know, because if I start here, I may never get over to go overseas for a variety of reasons Kat, mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. that's one thing number two which i don't think people are, are aware of um thanks to our phenomenal media here is you know in, <laughs> in, in, in world cup world cup 2022 and here at home world cup 2026 you know are, are both around the corner and if mls does did not change their tune and did not start selling players overseas and accepting offers well, guess who's going to be in those 2022 and 2026 squads? It's going to be all the players who left and said no to MLS, mm, you know? Mm. So MLS is going to have a, 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 a kind of like a, a bad look, very PR problem, you know, because it's going to be all European-based, none of which those European players uh, played for MLS. They all escaped mm. MLS. Mm -hmm. So MLS had to say, you know what? We can't have that situation, so we're going to sell – 10, 15, 20, 30 players overseas. And then when those players of ours get selected for the national team in the World Cups, we get to get all the credit. A, we developed them. They started in our league. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then we shipped them off over to Europe. Mm -hmm. So all those things kind of came together uh, in a very significant way for them to change. Now, back to your question. Sorry, because that's yeah. A, yeah, no, a topic no. close to my heart. Yep, of um, course. You're... you're your, your question was about all these players, right? So it's like, welcome to football, guys. Finally, mm -hmm. we're in the global marketplace. So finally, we'll have a, a significant number of players with uh, experience at a significant competitive level mm -hmm. um, that we haven't had before. So that helps the national team be more competitive uh, in 2022 and in 2026. The problem is that Okay, so we're going to have a better pool of players because they're in Europe, but the rest of the world also gets better and better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not like everybody else stayed still and we're the only ones improving. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether whether we're going to, you know, make the quarterfinals, semifinals, or a final in 2022-2026, man, I think we're going to probably, you know, get a rude awakening like England's been getting <laughs> for, <laughs> for 30 years or whatever that, hey, we have all these players, they're doing well in, in the top European leagues or in European leagues, like we're ready. Well, man, Argentina's got shit tons of players over there. Brazil, Uruguay, France, everybody yeah. else has Same. incredible players playing the Champions League. Yeah. So it, it doesn't mean you're going to do squat, you know what I'm saying? I don't care. 
if Weston McKinney scoring goals in Juventus, okay, there's a shit ton of players in Serie A and Champions League clubs that are scoring goals and are the starter and doing great things, you know? Yeah. We need a we need our fan base to have a broader scope. So I think we'll get a rude awakening, um, but at the same time, anything can happen. I mean, look at uh, Korea and the Korean World Cup. You know, I think they got to a semifinal, yep, right? Yep. Because they're the host. Yep. Uh, Russia, uh, you know, went very far. And who's Russia? You know what I mean? Yeah. Croatia, yeah. Croatia has always had very good footballers, always. And yeah, they got to the final. You know, so can the U.S. maybe get to the final when they're hosts in 2026? Anything's yeah. possible. Yeah. I mean, it, it, when it was here in 1994, the U.S. did well. They beat Colombia uh, 1-0, you know, in, in the group stage to advance. Mm-hmm. And Colombia Columbia was the favorite to win the World Cup. I don't know if you remember, Cap. Like, yeah. Colombia was on an absolute tear. I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and they wiped their butt with Argentina in, our, in, in Comabo qualifying. They beat us 5-0, a historic defeat. You wow. know what I mean? And they were the favorites. Yeah. And here's the United States with Alexi Lawless, you know, Marcelo yeah. Balboa or whatever, who beat, who beat Colombia 1-0 here as a host. So, and then and then took Brazil down to the wire, and Brazil beat them 1-0. So yeah. host matters. So do we have a shot? Sure, but... Let's calm down, okay? It doesn't. Like, yeah. let's, let's just chill out. Look, look at Pulisic. Pulisic struggling now again at, at Chelsea. They get, get even a minute. Yeah. Well, well, me, me and James were talking about this uh, off, off, uh, off air a couple of days ago, and I was saying, how many, how many players in Europe right now are guaranteed starters at their clubs, right? The, the couple things I want to say, the couple things that I think people should measure. How many are guaranteed? That means, hey, if this is the biggest game of the season, they're going to start. You know what I mean? Who's who's uh-huh. kind of getting minutes coming in and off the bench? Who is just getting there? You know, also the level that they're at. Like you said, there's there's many players, and also I just and then I started taking the, the question. I said, I said, hey, what American player would make England's national team right now? Mm-mm. I don't. How many? How many American? Who? Which American players would make Spain? Which American players would make Brazil? Which American players would make uh, France? Like, would one player make it into the group? Make it into? Uh, I, think, I think zero, brother. I think zero make it. Uh, I could uh, wait. Who? Who's? Uh, what's okay? Wait. So. Let's go. Okay, France. I don't think so. No one. Uh, no one makes it. Yeah, Spain. No one, right? Who, who's on the wing? I think Spain. I think just Spain is so tough. They're so technical, and our players like. Who's on the wing? Who's on the wing? I think Christian would be the only one. I think where you like. All right. I would say like. He maybe I don't know who's on I don't know who who's the starting wingers for Spain right now. They got Asensio. I have to look it up. Yeah. You got Asensio, you got Fati. Um Ferran Torres. Ferran Torres. So I think it's somewhere in there. Okay. Then England. I don't think any I don't think any of uh, our players make the England national team squad. I don't think so. I mean maybe have a shot. I, I maybe I mean maybe you know. It, it, and it's not a knock on our players. It's just that 
like when you start really breaking these things down, you start to really see like, oh, crap, these are people that we know about. This is not even the new and upcoming talents that are coming in from those countries. You know, like Kamavinga is playing for France right now, you know, breaking through. They're going to have a whole nother generation that comes after these guys, two or three guys breaking through. Like, and it's going to be hard for those guys. Like I was uh, I was watching the um, Leipzig Liverpool match and I saw Curtis Jones. And I was like, wow, this dude is not even – he was balling in that game, man. And I was like, Curtis Jones is not even going to probably be picked for the Euros. He would be an absolute starter, and we would be going crazy over Curtis Jones if he were American. Like, we would go absolutely insane. We'd be like, yo, we finally got this this midfielder who can dictate, he can play on the wing. Like, this guy is he, – he's really going to have a very, very good career. But for England, he's just going to be, you know, in and abouts. Like, he'll probably be in the 30, but, you know, by the time they get to 25 or whatever, they're like, oh, sorry, we have too many people. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, and, and that's why I think we, like, we have to kind of, like, start breaking things down and, and, and understand. And like I said, that's why I said in two years I want to see where we are. How many boys are still in, 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 in Europe and producing? You know what I mean? Because now you're in, right, the past, what, you know, some people, Pulisic was obviously a trailblazer, but then from there, okay, McKinney has gone, I think, and had a, a, a good career at Schalke. Now he's at Juventus, and he's he's getting good reports there uh, from what people are saying there. So, okay, let's see how that goes. Tyler's been at uh, Red Bull. He's been doing well. But even when we say all of that, those, those are the three who probably had the most significant minutes. Will we say that? Those are the three best right now, for sure. Yep, so those three have had that. So let's see in, like, two years, like, really where we are. Like, if if a lot of these guys who are coming through, are are they actually coming in and producing? That's what I want to see is, like, they keep it – they keep the consistency up before the next generation of Brazilians, Argentine, uh, uh, Uruguay, you know, all – you know, and then everyone in Europe kind of comes through as well, you know? So, hundred percent perspective, Kev. Perspective. It's it's like it's like our fan base here uh, and our reporters here. It's like for the very first time they're starting to watch and learn and pay more attention to overseas. Mm. Uh, but just now, just like recently, you know, because of Pulisic or whatever, that's when they started looking and watching. You know, mm-hmm. um, whereas whereas. You know, many of us have been doing that since we were teenagers, you know, so we put in 20, 30 years already and watching what's going on and reading the media over there and being over there and seeing and living it. Going going to sessions, seeing, yep, seeing what they rate. Yeah. Yeah. Just Just everything, you know, and understanding the player pools of those foreign countries like we've been doing that, you know, for 20, 30 years. So we kind of have a different context. Than the people here in the states who are for the first time since Pulisic started getting minutes at Dortmund started kind of paying attention, so they don't have a perspective, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that's the difference, and and it just saddens me, right? Because it's gonna that means we have to wait another ten years before our fan base or more before our fan base kind of catches up and sees like, oh, well, it's great that we have these players at at some of these big clubs, but so what? What have they done? You know, we don't have a Ronaldo or a or a Messi or a Neymar or an Mbappe or a Haaland or you know we don't have these FIFA World Eleven type players littered on our national team 
mm. you know. Mm. Mm. It, well, it's it's going to be definitely interesting the next generation that comes up, man. So, you know, we're looking forward to seeing that. Hey, hey, Gary, didn't want to take too much of your night, but man, hey, I just want to first uh, thank you for uh, yeah, thank you for being on with us tonight, man. As always, it's a, it's a, you know, you drop gems on us, you make us think, and 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 like I said, man, thank you, thank you for being a part of our journey as well. So, nah, man, uh, can't thank you enough. No, thank you guys, man, for for having me on, and thank you for always being friends, brother. Um, I really appreciate it. We we met once, Kef, you know, yeah. when I flew over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but ho- ho- hopefully, we can we can meet up many more times. And same with you, James. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to cross paths with you. Definitely, it's been an honor to finally speak to you, man. Yeah, we'll, right, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll come get that Cali sun, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hopefully in the summer, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's see what we can do, brother. Hey, thank you again, man. Have a good night. You got it, G. All Later. right, man. Y'all be good. Bye. Thank you all for uh being on Wanna Be Ballers. Uh I think it's what episode three of Too Much Too Soon. Uh a great segment with uh Gary Cleveland, uh three four three. Um I'll just say this just a little quick to recap. Really, really try to, um, I think, if you're a parent or you're a coach or a player, wherever you are, is to really observe, you know, where you are in your development, where you're trying to go, um, and and how you go about it, you know, and understand who you are, not try to be someone else. That's something I would just, I would just say. So, uh, you know, understand what your culture is, understand how you want to go about it. And, and from there, enjoy it. Enjoy the experience. Enjoy the journey. All right. Till we talk again. All right. Want to be ballers out.